Welcome everybody, my name is Makal Nasrani and this is Islam for Christians. Episode 34, Quran, Surah 108, Al-Qatar, The Abundance. Lo, we have given thee abundance, so pray unto thy Lord and sacrifice. Lo, it is thy insulter, and not thou, who is without posterity. Now, that's the Marmaduke Pickthall translation of Surah 108. Uh, but the translations of this in English are wildly different. So I'll give two more translations in addition to the Pickthall translation heard above, just for context. This is Yusuf Ali. To thee have we granted the fount of abundance. Therefore, to thy Lord turn in prayer and sacrifice. For he who hateth thee he will be cut off from future hope. And now for something completely different. Here's the Sahih International Version. Indeed, we have granted you, O Muhammad, Al-Qatar. So pray to your Lord and offer sacrifice to him alone. Indeed, your enemy is the one cut off from all good in this world and the hereafter. And now the Arabic, as recited by Saad El Gamdi. Al Qutar. You might have noticed that in the final version. The Sahih International, the final version of the uh, English translations I gave to you. The author didn't even bother to translate that phrase. You'll see it as abundance, or the more poetic fountain of abundance. But this word is so unique, I think it was rather artful of the Sahih translator to just leave it as it is, leave it in the Arabic. Al-Qutar appears exactly one time in the Quran in this surah, which is pretty ironic for a word that means abundance. So yeah, it's special and it's rare. So just imagine all that you consider good in the world, knowledge, kindness, peace, and anything else you consider to be a virtue flowing down a river, flooding the banks and eventually overtaking all that exists. That goodness is Al Qutar. It comes from the verb kathara, meaning to exceed in number, to be numerous, to increase, to multiply. Al kathra is the noun form, meaning obviously the abundance. And al qatar is a more intensive version of that noun. And the way the Quran uses it, I think it would be good to think of it as a proper noun, something that would be capitalized in English. Here's how Yusuf Ali describes Al-Qadhar. The heavenly fountain of unbounded grace and knowledge, mercy and goodness, truth and wisdom, spiritual power and insight, which was granted to the Holy Prophet, the man of God, 
and is also to some degree or another granted to all men and women who are sincere devotees of God. That fountain quenches the highest spiritual thirst of man. It confers overflowing benefits of all kinds. And then he quotes from another uh, part of the Quran, which was Surah 2, verse 269. And he to whom wisdom is granted receiveth indeed a benefit overflowing. Then, end of the Quranic quote, such a person wants for nothing. Worldly pomp and wealth are dust beneath his feet. Some of this may sound familiar to Christians. Al-Qatar is the water that quenches the spiritual thirst. Al-Qatar is what Jesus was talking about when he told the Samaritan woman, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. So Jesus has Al-Qadar, something both Christians and Muslims can certainly agree upon. But this surah is addressed to Muhammad and his distribution of spiritual life-giving water. Here, the Quran is addressing Muhammad directly, and then, through him, to every person. In other words, the words are addressed to Muhammad, and the advice is for him, but it's actually great advice for anyone. It is saying that a man of God is like an infinite fountain, a never-failing cascade of water that will quench the thirst of millions. So be mindful of God and devoted to him and avoid poisoning this fountain with hatred. Hatred makes for a hopeless spirit. So I'd like to give you a little bit of context for all that. This is overwhelmingly considered to be an early Meccan surah, although there are a few scholars who consider it a Medinan surah. And uh, the reason they think that is there is a hadith in which the person refers to this Surah being revealed at the mosque, and only in Medina was there an actual mosque. Now, this is an interesting insight, but all the other evidence points to Mecca because it appears to be responding to insults to Muhammad. Who was insulting Muhammad at Medina? I mean, perhaps a few people were, maybe the Meccans, but really, in totality, this has all the characteristics of a Meccan Sora. And it has the mystic quality, the short length, the reassurance of a prophet and a community under fire. Like seriously, this Sora is inventing mystic vocabulary. It just feels like a Meccan Sora. According to the Hadith, a man named Atta said, This Sora was revealed about Abu Lahab when a son of the Messenger of Allah died. Abu Lahab went to the idolaters and said, Muhammad has been cut off, i.e. from progeny, that's in parentheses, tonight. So Muhammad has been cut off from progeny tonight because one of his sons died. So concerning this, Allah revealed, and then they go into uh, the Surah. So, there's our old friend and alpha scumbag, Abu Lahab. 
making fun of Muhammad after one of his infant sons had died. If you would like more reasons to hate Abu Lahab, uh, see episode 22 for more on him. So this guy actually mocked Muhammad when his child had died. And this surah is a response. And it's supposed to be a comfort to Muhammad during one of the several instances where he had to bury a child. In a way, Abu Lahab was right. Muhammad had no biological son to carry on his line. But as this surah predicts, and as time would prove, Abu Lahab would be cut off and forgotten, while Muhammad's spiritual progeny numbers in the billions. Actually, and I looked this up, this is such a fun thing to do, someone actually approximated the actual number of Muhammad's spiritual progeny. And according to this estimate, the total number of Muslims after Muhammad is about 7.26 billion. That number is from the year 2018. Uh, now to the text itself. In the first line, we have the reference to the fountain of Al-Qadhar. And we are told, actually Muhammad is told, that he has it flowing from him. And as we transition to the second line, there is the reminder of the source of this fountain. It's God. Muhammad didn't create it. And it's not something that exists unless it's bestowed by God. This miraculous fountain comes from God. Therefore, turn to him in worship and adoration. To him you should sacrifice, we are told. Animal sacrifice was still a thing then. You know, an ancient Arab may sacrifice a camel and give the meat to the poor. But like with dietary laws, the point is not necessarily the physical aspect of all of that. The devotion is the point. The remembrance of God, Vekar Allah. Obviously, we don't sacrifice camels anymore. At least I haven't heard of it. Maybe I, I bet it still happens. But there is still plenty we can sacrifice to God that means much, much more than a camel. Or the modern equivalent might be a car. And give the scrap to the poor. But time and treasure are the most obvious things. There are also the things you can sacrifice for your own good like ego and lust, and the things that cause the other seven deadly sins, for example. So, speaking of internal feelings that can destroy the human spirit, we move to the third and last line. This isn't just renouncing misplaced hate toward Muhammad. This is about hate in general. Hate will cut you off from God. Hate builds nothing. Hate only destroys. It dams the river, and the greater the intensity, the greater degree to which Al-Qadhar will be cut off. And there are two worlds a person is cut off from when his or her heart becomes consumed with hate. There is this world, which will never be enjoyable to a person filled with hate. Uh, this is implied in the Quran, and it's true, but it's also plainly obvious to even non-religious people. You know, really, have you ever met a happy person who was also full of hate and bile? Was Captain Ahab happy when he went to the bottom of the ocean and said, from hell's heart I stab at thee? No. Be it a whaler or a policeman or a sales clerk, hate will make you miserable 100% of the time. But this is Islam after all, so we also have to talk about the afterlife. 
Hate isn't necessarily going to get someone negative performance review on Judgment Day, but it's pretty difficult to do things that are pleasing to God when you're full of hate. Hate endangers your afterlife, so be careful with that. Someone blinded by hate may think it's okay to indiscriminately kill children with a drone or with a suicide vest. Those people have been cut off by hate, both in this world and by extension in the hereafter. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time. Inshallah. Thank you for listening to Islam for Christians. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to keep this show ad-free, you can also visit my Patreon page and subscribe. I'm at patreon.com slash Islam for Christians. That's patreon.com slash Islam for Christians.